leverage what I call OPP, other people's people, right? So you right now, like no matter how small your list is, even if you have 10 people on your email list or if you have one person on your email list and it's your mother, somewhere, someone out there already has your customers, right? Like that was the big shift for me realizing like they're out there and they're already on other people's lists. I just need to now get them over to my list somehow. That's the way I like to look at it. It's like who out there has your customers and how can you form a good relationship with those people? Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. You're going to learn some incredible things on today's interview. One of those is the OPP. And it's a way of building your list. I don't think you've ever heard of it before, and you're going to love it. The second is the frequency. And what is the right frequency for sending emails to your list? And also, you know, the concerns about unsubscribing and uh, some true facts that uh, will surprise you. And then the third one is what to measure on your list. And our guest today gives a metric that I've never heard of before, and it makes perfect sense, and you're going to love it. So if you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you love what you hear or see, please subscribe. If you're a regular, I really appreciate your support. And also thank you for all those iTunes reviews that you've done. It really means a lot to me because, yes, I give a lot of my time for this podcast and it's great to see those. Now, please take notes as you normally would, but if you're out riding your bike like I do when I listen to podcasts or walking, etc., you will also get a summary. So we give a key summary with all the links and also you can go to our website, paulhigginsmentoring.com and you can get a full transcript as well. So today's guest is someone who started as a special ed education teacher and then you know loved and had a passion for writing and spent six years effectively writing and perfecting their craft and that's now led them to work for people like Jeff Walker from the product formula and also Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad just to name a couple and he also works with some of the biggest e-com brands e-commerce brands in the world to help them to generate more revenue from their list so what I'll do now is hand you over to Chris Ozakowski from Oz Media Welcome, Chris. So great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Super excited to be here. Yeah, well, I've uh, been highly recommended to talk to you. I listened to you on James Schramko's Superfast Business Podcast, and I've also seen you work with Kevin Rogers, who um, I had the delight of having dinner with in Sydney, Australia, on on, a, on one occasion. And um, yeah, I you know followed what you're doing. Uh, you know, email marketing is uh, is ev- something that everybody should be doing more of, and we'll dive into that deeper in a moment. But why don't we kick off with who are the clients that you love to work with? Yeah. So uh, at my agency, we typically work with large-scale e-commerce brands. Um, so companies who sell physical goods. And we've had all different kinds of clients, from clients who sell skincare to supplements to bidets. We have one client who has a exercise, a piece of exercise equipment for 
your manhood. We have all different kinds of clients <laughs> like run the spectrum. And we just love having cool brands with like wild out there, um, you know, really cool, really unique products, physical products. Um, so that's what we like to do. We like to kind of optimize all of their email marketing and really just help them create more automated revenue uh, and some of those back-end funnels so that they know that whenever they're spending money on the front end or doing any kind of acquisition, they know their leads and customers would be worth, you know, multiples more in the back end through the lifetime of that relationship. Yeah, brilliant. And, you know, what are some of the key problems that you help them solve? Other than I know you've talked about revenue, et cetera, but what are the other key things that you help them solve? Yeah, so um, the main thing is just figuring out how to kind of remove themselves and kind of achieve a little bit more profitability. And that's the one thing that we found with a lot of uh, our clients is some of these brands being that they are so dependent on advertising and depending on paying for acquisition, paying for customers, anything that we can do to help them make sales without having to go and pay that extra acquisition cost is always um, just huge for them because, you know, it's nice being able to send emails and watch sales come in because it doesn't cost anything, you know, other than what you pay your monthly, you know, ESP, which everyone has to pay for, doesn't cost you. Like every time you make a sale on Facebook or on Google, you have to pay for that sale. So we just help them achieve more of that profitability, get some more margin and also just more like automation because sometimes people are doing things manually, uh, you know, and manual emails, broadcasts and launches and promos, those things are all good to do. But if you can create that little bit of an extra buffer, an extra five, 10 or 20 grand from automation, a month that just does wonders for people's businesses yeah yeah great and and look you know most of who i work with the sort of cloud business owners and and consultants um you know and the hardest thing for us sometimes is to try to get people onto our list right and uh but with e-commerce brands you know um is it easy for them to get people onto their lists or do they struggle like uh you know like we do um that's a great question so it really kind of depends. Um, it depends on their overall strategy. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's some brands that are a little bit more like one-time purchase where they'll be able to manage to build a big list. But, you know, for instance, if they don't sell a consumable or if they don't have a very diverse product line and it's just like you need one of their products and then you'll probably never need to buy a similar type of product ever again. Sometimes the list building is a little bit tough there. But from what we've seen, a lot of brands, like especially the consumable brands, it's super easy because what we found with a lot of these brands is that it's not just like when people are, they're buying the product, but they're buying the product because they want a specific, a specific outcome. So what we can do as the people writing the copy or doing the promos and sending out the emails is not just say like, hey, here's another sale, here's another sale, here's another coupon, which is kind of the approach that everyone takes. We like to kind of approach it like you are the, the brand owner, the voice and face of the brand is kind of like the Sherpa guiding them up the mountain, right? It's like everyone's starting at the bottom. They know they have the big lofty goal at the top. Like for instance, if it's health supplements, which is a very common one, right? Well, or let's say it's fitness supplements. Like someone's trying to get in shape. They're trying to lose weight. They're trying to build muscle. I'm trying to be healthier. It's like, that's not just a one-time purchase journey. So like you don't just buy one bottle of supplements or buy like one piece of exercise equipment and then your problems are solved for the rest of your life. Like that's a continuous journey. So what we always try to do is just continue to, you know, educate people and move people up those little steps of the mountain until they get to their ultimate goal with the emails that we're sending. Yeah, great. And, and you know, the the I suppose, like I said, you know, it's, I find it difficult sometimes to to get people on my list. So I've got uh, around 16,000 LinkedIn followers, uh, which is great. But if I look at my list, it's, it's substantially smaller than that. I've got, okay, open rates, you know, sort of 25% uh, open rates. But, you know, I'd love to have more people on it. You know, 
from your experience in the industry, if you, because I know that you, you know, have helped some consultants, et cetera, in the past, what, what are some tips on first getting people onto your email list? I think the best way to do this is to leverage what I call OPP, other people's people, right? So you right now, like no matter how small your list is, even if you have 10 people on your email list or if you have one person on your email list and it's your mother, somewhere, someone out there already has your customers, right? Like <clears throat> this was a big shift for me in terms of thinking about how I went and built my list because I said, man, like where are my people? And I said, it's not like they're all just in this cave with like a gate on the front and it's like, oh, I need to unlock. I need to find where this cave is and unlock it and free all these people and get them on. No, no, they're already on other people's lists, right? They're probably on hundreds of other brands lists or, or people that they follow. So that was the big shift for me realizing like they're out there and they're already on other people's lists. I just need to now get them over to my list somehow. So that's obviously not the most tactical strategic thing, right? But that is where the thing kind of starts because I say, okay, who are the people who are the influencers they follow? Who are the other people in my space who I can maybe have some kind of partnership or some kind of friendship or relationship, develop some kind of relation capital, excuse me, relationship capital with and kind of see if there's a way where you know I could help them out, they could help me out. Maybe we team up on a product together. Maybe we team up on some kind of content series or whatever it is. There's always a way to leverage someone else's. And it's not like, you know, like oh, I'm going to take their audience. Uh, I've always found a lot of people where they have a, a business where that complements mine. We just happen to have the same customers, right? So like if I'm yes. friends with a web developer or a traffic person, I'm not going to steal their customers. They're not going to steal mine. Our services are complementary. So that's the way I like to look at it. It's like who out there has your customers and how can you form a good relationship with those people? I know for me, the fastest way that like the, the absolute fastest way to grow a list is with a JV webinar or some kind of JV endorsed type of promotion. And they're not always the easiest to get, but there's nothing like the velocity that comes from when you have a JV webinar or some kind of, you know, when someone mails for an event that you're doing, and then all of a sudden 250 subscribers appear out of nowhere in two days, right? That's pretty big for, you know, people who are just trying to grow their lists and they can really accelerate things. Yeah, look, that that's brilliant advice. And I know I've done that myself and a quick shout out to two of our sponsors so one of them's dubbed a UWB and the other is book like a boss and I've done a similar thing where I've said to them hey look um you know you talk about yourself a lot right and as you know it's nothing better than someone else talking about you so why don't I come on and show you how I'm using your products to drive more sales so then that gives you the opportunity to pick up people on your list to your license and then obviously I get in front of those people to get them on the list. So I think that's a really, um, you know, it's a great strategy that's worked for me. And uh, like Chris said, you know, you just think about those people that have got a complementary benefit or they are complementary to you. And I think that's a great tip. So we've got people on our list now. So that's great. So, you know, where where is the the, the missed opportunity that, that you see because of your vast experience with email marketing that many of us miss? Yeah, I think frequency is like the big thing. Um, you don't have to email every day, but like I've tested this out my list. There's times when I've emailed three times a day. And I know some people might be like, oh my God, that's crazy. And it is a little bit crazy. And it's it's just kind of a breakneck pace to, to keep up with. So I don't do that all the time. Uh, yes. But I, you know, I always run experiments. I see like what where's the limit of where people are just like, this is too much. And what I found is that if you're just emailing consistently, 
you know, oh, let's, let's, sorry, let me back up. So if you're not emailing consistently and you're afraid to do more, what's going to happen is the moment you increase your frequency, it doesn't matter if you go from once a month to once a week or from once a week to twice a week or twice a week to three times. It doesn't, whenever there's an increase in frequency, you're always going to have a big spike in unsubscribes. But what happens is what people think is that all oh, that spike is just going to snowball and snowball and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's going to be zero people left on my list. Like That doesn't happen. In fact, the complete opposite happens. Maybe that first week, you get a little bit of spike in unsubscribers. And oh my gosh, I had the most unsubscribers I've ever had in this week. But after you get through that first week, they level off and they eventually get to, I've sent two emails out today. I might even send a third to my list, not to the entire list. I had some segmented mailings, but there's a lot of overlap. And I had three unsubscribers today to a list of 5,000 people. So Again, like it's it does it's apples to oranges comparing those numbers, but the main thing to understand is that as long as you are mailing frequently, the people who want to stay there and read your stuff and engage with you, they'll stay there. They'll stick around. You don't have to worry about oh, I'm emailing too much. Uh, you know, people are going to run away. They're never going to come back. It's just not going to happen. And what happens is when you increase your frequency, not only do you get a tighter, more engaged audience over time, because people who aren't engaged will automatically filter themselves out. You start to make more sales because you develop a deeper relationship. It's kind of like if you have a friend you talk to every day versus a friend you talk to twice a year, which one are you closer friends with? The person you talk to every single day. It's the same thing with email marketing. Yeah, great. And and as far as like uh, other ways to clean the list, like what's your recommendation on how often you should clean your list? That's a great question. Um, it depends on the size. It depends on the overall business strategy. It depends on the type of products. I know it depends. It depends, right? Like that's what everyone wants to hear. Um, I'll tell you what I do with mine. I mean, mine is a somewhat unique situation compared to maybe some bigger businesses who have a list of you know four hundred thousand people. But what I do with mine is because I'm emailing so frequently, I find that like my I track the people who are cold, and I might have about between 150 and 200 people total who are cold, who haven't opened or clicked in the past 30 days out of almost 5,000 people on my list. So that's a small percentage. It's about, what is that about less than, I know it's less than 5%. I don't know the exact, yeah. can't do exact math, man, but it's small. It's a small portion, right? Yes. So it's four or 5%, whatever it is. And those people I'll run periodic re-engagement campaigns, but I don't really worry about it because it's not like 30% of my list is cold and oh my gosh, what do I do with these people? So my thing is just like, if you continue to just be frequent with your mailings, you're automatically going to get some of that list cleansing and it doesn't become like, oh, I have to do my regular yearly or bi-yearly scheduled list cleaning, which maybe some of the bigger brands do. So it's, and I think for most people listening to this, uh, unless you have a list of hundreds of thousands of people, you probably don't need to worry about list health as much as you think you do. It's not that it's not important. It's not that you don't have to worry about it at all, but there's people out there that are like, I have a list of 1800 people. Should I clean my list? I'm like, no, you should put all of your effort in list growth. Don't worry about list health until you're at like 5,000 and then start worrying about those things because you just don't have a big enough list where you're going to, unless you're sending really spammy stuff, where it's going to be that much of an issue in terms of how that little cold unengaged segment is going to affect your overall deliverability. Uh, look, great, great advice. And, uh, and you know, I suppose the next thing is, you know, when you go in and, and assess someone's list, which, you know, you've given some elements there, you know, what do you sort of look for? And if you look at, you know, yes, e-commerce, big brands, you know, that's different. But if you look at someone like myself, right? So let's say I've got a list of a thousand people, you come in to do an email marketing campaign. What what are sort of the, the key things that you're looking for uh, when you first come in and observe uh, working with someone? Um, with the list that small, the only thing I really care about is revenue. Um, yeah. That's the number one thing because 
what I found is that there's just not enough really statistical significance to really start thinking about split testing or any other crazy advanced stuff. Um, and I just say, how much money are you earning on a monthly basis from your list? And we, the metric that I like to use, that's kind of like my North Star metric is earnings per subscriber. So the way you calculate that is you say, okay, I earned, let's say it's $20,000 from my, you know, my product sales from my email marketing this month. I have uh, 2,000 people in my list, that means I have a $10 uh, earnings per subscriber, which is not bad. What happens is, well, I, you know, it's it's hard because there's so many metrics. There's opens, there's clicks, there's unsubscribes, there's engaged, unengaged, there's customer percentages, right? There's a million, LTV, there's a million different things. And it's all important stuff. It's it's not like, let's brush it all to the side. But I said, if we could just look at one thing, I want to know that number in terms of how much you're making per person on your list, because that number kind of encapsulates all of those things. There, It can break down, obviously, like break it down, say, okay, what if we mail to a smaller segment? What if we clean the list and get rid of the dead weight? What if we increase the price of the products? What if we do twice as many emails? And those will all affect those numbers in different ways. But as an overall thing, I say, okay, this person's earning 10 cents a subscriber. This other person, like myself, I think we earn about $16 and change. I think I don't have a huge list, but like our EPS is like 16 and change a month. Um, so it's like, which one of those lists would you rather have? The one that's earning 10 cents a name or the one that's earning $16 and 50 cents a name? It's pretty clear to see. It doesn't matter the list size. It's like in terms of leverage, in terms of health, in terms of return on your time and investment, probably the list, um, you know, of course, if it's, oh, I have a list of 100 million people, then maybe it's different, but we're probably not talking about that kind of situation. So I think it's a good enough metric for most people. Yeah, that's great. I've never heard of that. So that uh, makes common sense, right? So um, what about, okay, so you come in and I've never really generated any revenue from a client. And this may not be you know specific to you, right? But if, if most of us are selling services. We've got clients where we send a lot of content out, but we never really do any offers. Like, you know, where should we start from, a, from an offers uh, perspective? Yeah. So, there's lots of different things you could do, but I think you just kind of start simple. And if you, as long as you've been sending anything out and you're keeping people engaged and say, okay, maybe you're sending blog posts on a weekly basis, let's say, right. And you haven't made an offer in six months or, or ever, yeah. you know, you have that engagement. Uh, it's just simply a matter of like saying, Hey, I'm thinking about putting together this program, or I'm thinking about putting together this offer, this course, like, would you be interested in buying something like this if I were to do this? And you don't necessarily have to go for the sale right then and there, but I always like to just test the waters and validate my ideas because my belief is I'm not going to spend six months creating something that isn't going to sell. Like that is the worst. There's nothing worse than losing a quarter or two quarters or even an entire year putting together this picture perfect course and saying, how do I sell this thing? Yeah. Just go. And, and sometimes you can even just say like, Hey, I'm thinking about putting together like a course or a training. You know, what do you, what's the number one thing you want help with that you'd like me to teach you? And it's kind of direct, but you'd be surprised. People will answer back and they say, you know, I really love all your blog posts or your podcasts about X, Y, and Z. But the one thing I still can't figure out is this, like, how do you do that? How do you go from here to here? How do you make this happen? And what happens is you get 20 responses, 30 responses, 40 responses. And all of a sudden you say, wow, okay, I got 40 responses. 28 people are all asking for this one thing. I think that's what they want to learn. Then you put together the course on that, or you put together the offer on that. And then you know it's going to sell because you at least have that many people raise their hand. There's probably two or three more people times more people on the list who just were too shy to reach out, but still have the same desire. So that's the way I like to do it. And just, you know, I don't like these sexy tactics and like, oh, we're going to do this wild sequence and this, all this like crazy launch. And like, you could do that stuff and that's fine, but it's a human you're talking to the other end. So just start a conversation say, Hey, thinking about doing this. Are you interested in this? Yes or no. Do you think it's a good idea? Would you buy this? 
and kind of go from there. Yeah, look, I think that's that's yeah. My my experience is you sort of bring in an expert, and you know, you all of a sudden there's this story, right? So you you've been writing a particular way, and then it it, it just you know, I think everyone is so used to that now. They're like, ah, oh, there's an offer coming right at the end. So yeah, I really like the way that you've uh, you've cut to the chase and, and given that uh, information. And um, you know, let's switch gears a little about cold emails, right? So let's say that you're, you know, it's not your list, but you're sending out uh, emails cold. What are some tips on uh, or some experience that you can share on, you know, sending out cold emails in particular from, you know, trying to drum up new business, i.e., you know, you've just reached out with someone on LinkedIn, you know, what's what are you sending the email? Have you uh, had any experience in, in something like that? I have some. And the one thing I could say uh, is that the number one thing that you should spend your time on before you start cold emailing is make, turning yourself into an important person. Yeah. And I know it sounds like a little like, who is this guy to say, you know, like to say something like that. But when you think about cold email, what happens is there's a lot of copywriters on my list. And I actually just did a little experiment and wrote an email to my list about this uh, a couple of days ago. But I said, you know, uh, I don't like cold email generally because I like the power dynamic of people reaching out to me because I'm the expert. It's like you sought me out. Like, I'm not going to sell you on why you should hire me. You sought me out, right? So if you want my help, here's the deal. That's the power dynamic that I like. And I think it's healthy for most of these kind of businesses. However, I understand that sometimes there are reasons to cold email. So I did this the other day. I reached out to a company and 64 minutes later, I got a call from the head of marketing. Um... And they reached out and said, hey, we'd like to set up a call with you. We'd like to bring in our team and blah, 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 blah. And that's pretty fast because there's a lot of people who go out and they send cold emails and never hear anything back, right? So, but the reason why part of that is because, well, I turned myself into a somebody and it took eight years to do that, right? But I said, okay, I've worked with these clients. I've done these things. I've went to all these, I've spoken on these stages. I've written these books. I've been on 35, 40 something podcasts, whatever it is, 50 podcasts, right? Um, so there's a little bit of the clout factor. And what happens is when people don't receive cold pitches or, or any inquiries back from their cold pitch, but here's the deal. Like if Elon Musk, if you saw like Elon at Tesla.com reached out to you because he wanted to hire, you know, he wanted to do some kind of deal or something, you'd answer him back because it's Elon Musk and he's a super important dude and he has that cachet. So obviously we're all not going to be at that level. We're not going to be the richest person in the world and most well-recognized businessman in the world. I understand that, but there's something to be said about having some gravitas around you and the character and the legend that you build in, in the marketplace that really helps you out when you are doing cold email. Like me, now that I have the agency and I have the following that I have, I could cold email all day. And that's what I did the other day. And this this uh, person didn't know me, but um, I basically sent the email out and I said, "Hey, you know, here's the clients I've worked with. I don't know if I can help you, uh, but you know, I heard you talking on this podcast, and it sounds like you know you're doing X, Y, Z. That's something we kind of specialize in. Would love to talk to you, see if we can do something. Love to give you some ideas. If not, that's totally fine too. No worries. Just figured I'd see if I could help you out and hope you have an awesome day. And they got back to me. So it doesn't have to be anything complex. But what happens is a lot of people when they cold email, they say." I got one the other day. I blocked this guy on Facebook. He's like, hey, man, are you trying to build a Facebook group so you can do X, Y, Z? I'm like, delete. That's a sales pitch, right? Like, I don't even know you. You know, like, I know you're trying to get in my wallet. I can feel your hand creeping in my wallet, you know? like, And that, that's the thing. It's There's there's something to be said about just starting a relationship and being generally helpful. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're reaching out, like on LinkedIn or some of those things, like what I would always do before, like, cause I, back before I had the following the list and the website and everything else I would do, I would contact people on Facebook and, and those places and 
you know, what I would do is I would try to be helpful in public so they could see me. So I'd be in a Facebook group with them. I'd see what groups they're in. If I want to connect with them, uh, oh, they're in these groups and they're asking these questions or they're following these threads and I could chime in and offer some awesome advice. And then eventually over time, they'd see me and they say, oh, wow, that guy, Chris, he knows a lot about copy. And then if I struck up a conversation with them, conversation would naturally move towards copy. I wouldn't try to sell right off the bat. I'd say like, hey, you know, check out your website. Love what you got going on. I'm a big fan. Love that podcast. Anyway, I hope you're doing well and um, we keep following you. And that's all you have to do because then people say, wow, this person's a cool guy or a cool girl. Like they are just giving me some kudos. And over time, you develop that relationship. You try to go in for the juggler. That's when the defenses come up. So yeah, spot on. And and yeah. so often, you know, I've had clients where, you know, they've got a script, they've got some guru, they're sort of following the script. And I'm like, would you open that? And they're like, no, probably not. I'm like, well, why in the hell would someone else, right? Like, you know, we ultimately, you know, I've, I've been lucky that I've got a global business. I work for Coca-Cola, work global, globally. But, you know, most of us are still exactly the same. Yes, there's cultural differences, et cetera, right? But, you know, you set, it's people to people, right? I remember Chris Ducker's always talking about, people to people and that's that's who it is and i think you're dead right quick quick question on that is video right so um you know most of the cold emails have you got any experience on you know using text versus now you know there's so many great video options we've got dub that i mentioned before but also we're doing some work with bomb bomb you know what's your experience with using a uh, video uh, versus just text yeah, I like Loom videos uh, as long as it's something like genuinely helpful and it's yep. like, like, hey, you know, I got this email in my inbox, uh, thought it was really cool. Curious, have you ever tried to do XYZ? You know, big fan of your brand. I'm an email marketer. That's why I'm filming this video. I just wanted to give you some advice. Um, you know, try this out. Hope it works well. And, you know, like something like that, where like you're not asking for anything can absolutely work and they can start conversations with people. And I've done some things, like I said, I don't do a lot of cold stuff, but every now and then I'll see like a company and I'm like, all right, I can help these people out. And like, I know we can do a good job for them. Right. So we'll start up a conversation that way. But again, it's still kind of like, I'm not like, Hey, I want to, I want your business. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And we're going to work for free until we get you result. Like that's one thing they always say, people reach out to me that I get cold pitched every week and they say, yeah. I'll work for you for free. It's like, I don't want your free help. That's the most expensive help out there because that's going to take more of my time than anything else to guide you. Because if you were that good, I'd have to pay you for what you, you know what I mean? So yes. I think it's just a lot of like, you can give value up front without expecting anything in return. And like a lot of people might ignore you and some people might take the advice and do it themselves or they might take the advice and hire someone else. But it's a lot better than just spraying and praying and hoping and saying, oh my gosh, I sent out 700 cold emails this week. I really hope someone gets back to me and your pitch is off and you're just asking, begging really for money. So it's all about relationship capital and saying like, how could I help someone? And if I help one person every day, eventually that'll compound over time. Yeah, look, I totally agree. And, and you know, my experience with using, you know, product like BombBomb, I get their LinkedIn profile up. So we basically let them know that uh, we're going to send them a connection request. They open to that. They say yes. They connect. Then I send a, a video, and it's their profile. I'm talking about them and their profile. I'm just asking for a conversation. I'm finding that that's working really well. So back onto email marketing. When is it the right time for a business owner to give up writing their own copy and bringing in an agency like like yourself? Good question. Um... So it depends on how much they enjoy it, A, how frequent they're mailing, B, and what other initiatives they have in their business. Um, like I still write most of my emails, not all of them, but most of them, just because, you know, when you're sending 50 a month and you have also transactional emails and just course updates and 
you know, it really comes out to about 60 or 70 emails a month, right? And then building automations and everything on top of that. So maybe it's actually like 80 emails a month. Um, like now, like for me personally, like I have a team, right? Like I, we have uh, my COO, we have my marketing and biz dev manager. I have my tech guy. I have Angie, my copy chief. I have six writers on my team. Um, it's, it's a big operation. So like what happens is you get to the point where you're like, okay, are the sales handled, right? Like, yes. For me, for a long time, every every dollar in my business ran through me. And it was very flattering because I was like, oh, man, look at how much we're selling. I'm closing these deals. I'm writing these emails. And like, you feel good about yourself. But at the same time, it's like that ego is what's stopping you from getting to that next level. So can someone else take something off your plate? Like one of the ways that sales come in might be emails. Some, can someone else do that? And if you had that time back where you're not writing emails, can even if someone can only do 80 or 90% of the job that you could do, is that close enough? And with that extra bandwidth that you have from not writing all your emails, can you apply that uh, at a different level, at a C level, you know, executive suite type level, and that kind of thinking where you're sitting in the CFO or the CMO or the CEO or the COO chair and say, how can I pull different levers in my business to make growth happen faster? So, what I've always found is like you write them as as much as you can till you develop a certain style and know what angles work to where you can hand it off to someone. Sometimes people, it's like, like, yeah, we've never done email. We want to hire an agency. And if you have products that are very well known, and like if you're selling, you know, a vitamin, for instance, that's the best selling vitamin, uh, and you just have your own brand of it, like it's probably going to sell no matter what you do because you're riding a good weight. But if you have a, a like a personality based business or you know uh, an IP based business, it might take a little bit more of you developing the sales messaging and understanding. Here's the angles that work. When we talk about this. Here's what works. Here's the strategy. And now that I have that kind of package, I can hand it off to someone else. Yeah, Brian, and and you talked about courses, and um, I believe you've got a a course at the moment. Tell us a little bit about you know what it what it's about and who's it for. Yeah. So uh, my flagship course is called Email Copy Academy. And it's basically for, uh, it's mostly for email copywriters, though we do have some business owners, people in business for themselves, coaches, consultants, even some e-commerce brand owners who take it just because it's it's like a crash course A to Z about email copywriting. Uh, and I designed it um, in a way where where I differ than a lot of other email teachers, and there's a lot of good email teachers out there, a lot of good guys and girls and you know people who just do an excellent job. But what where like my unique spin on everything is that I'm a copywriter for hire. Well, now I have the agency, but I was always a copywriter for hire. So I might work in personal development one day and then work for a client who sells meat through the mail on the next day, and then work for a software company the next day, and then work for you know a physical product company the next day, and then everything in between. So like I had to constantly switch hats, put on different like from this market to that market and that market. And that's the reality of where a lot of email copywriters are. They don't just write for one niche or yes. one vertical and they have to jump on and say, how do I apply the principles that work for this kind of brand and this kind of market with these kind of products at these price points and adapt those things to work for this other brand, which is completely different. So what I tried to do is take the system that was like existed in my brain because I was writing, you know, for years in my career, I wrote between 15 and 30 emails every single week, 52 weeks a year, probably for about five or six years straight. So I don't know, you do the math. It's a few thousand just for clients. You pile on a few thousand just for myself. I think I'm at over like 10,000 total emails that I've written in my career, probably a little bit more. Um, but I said, how, what is the golden thread through all of those emails? What are the frameworks and the structures and the philosophy and the mental models that I use to construct those and do them fast and do them consistently and have consistent winners? So that's what I did. I basically pulled all that stuff out of my brain and packaged it up into this course, Email Copy Academy, so I can give it to someone and say, okay, here's the mental models you're going to use when you sit down to do your research to think about planning out the copy, to mapping out your sequences, to writing campaigns and launches, 
I call them big money launches and autoresponders and everything else. And then I also include a, a few modules about how to get clients because originally I wasn't going to, but there were so many people like, I need help getting clients. Like I want to learn this stuff, but I need someone to sell it to and someone to do it for. So I said, okay, I'll teach that stuff too. And uh, people really like that part as well. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes, of course. So uh, the next and the last section is uh, a deep dive into your sales habits. So you're ready to do a quick deep dive? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's kick off with, you know, what's a sales habit that helps you accelerate your sales? Yeah, it's just um, writing every single day. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lot. And people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds really hard. And it is hard. It's not easy, but it's one of those things where you get better and then it becomes fun. And then you don't want to stop doing it because every time you hit the send button, just about every time you make money. And it's kind of like this Pavlovian <laughs> addictive kind of loop where it's like, I can never stop doing this because obviously good things happen. And it's not even just the money, it's just the engagement because you know, if you write about good things that people like, you tell good stories, people like that, they like you better, you start conversations with people. And it's, it's a really cool way to build your business. Yeah, brilliant. And the next is what's a piece of technology that is helping you to accelerate your sales? Thrivecart. Um, I'm so in love with Thrivecart. We were on Kajabi for a few years and Kajabi is okay. It's not bad. It's a decent platform. Yeah. But now that uh, Thrivecart came out with that, they have this thing called Learn, which is, I'm sure you probably heard, like they have like a membership portal um, and it's very easily synced up and integrated with their shopping carts in like the same actual application. Um, so we moved everything over there and it's, it's just phenomenal. It's a really clean user experience. It's just easy. It's simple. They have all the features that we need. So that, and one of the things that was the advantage of Thrivecart over Kajabi was working through the upsell and downsell flows, which there was a lot of rigidity on Kajabi. Now we have that or making more money as a result. So that's been a huge thing for us technology wise. Yeah. Brilliant. And, uh, what about for you? What's the best source of leads into your business? You know, it's hard to pinpoint down exactly. Um, the thing that I think where I get the best leads from is from my content. So um, I'm a very prolific blogger, although the last you know six to nine months, I haven't done a ton of blogs because it's been all hands on deck for every other thing in my business. But it's something that I've been itching to get back to because for since 2016, I've been blogging and the first you know, 18 to 24 months, no one really knew who I was. But if you continue to publish and you continue to get better at publishing, which is the key thing, it's you can't just keep writing you know, mediocre stuff. You have to say, what was good about this? How do I make this better for next week? And then continue to publish and continue to put in the reps. But um, I started to get really good blogging. And, you know, it's it's like people say, I want to be in this blog and I want to guest post here. And I want to be in this publication. It's like, you have your own publication. Build up your own publication. Build up your own piece of digital property because you can get reps in a practice and you own that. You can write whatever you want. You can be yourself. You don't have to worry about editorial guidelines. You make the editorial guidelines. So for me, just continuously blogging and putting out content over and over and over again, people just knew me as someone who has something to say and somewhere where they could go. Like my mentality was how do I make my blog the most valuable blog and even marketing on the entire internet. And I don't know if we've achieved that yet, but that's the goal and that's the long-term goal. So as long as we continue to do that and continue to add good content where people can go to our site, read the blogs and say, wow, this stuff is great. I can literally take this free stuff and make more money with it. They'll always come back and become customers. Yeah, great. And look, obviously we're going to have the link, but the email copywriter.com is where you can go and uh, find that blog. So the last question is the big one. I always leave it to the end for that reason. But what's one action we can take from everything you've talked about today to 10x our sales? 
I would start adding one extra email a week and giving people a glimpse. I call this like the behind the scenes at HQ email where like everyone has a headquarters, company headquarters. Like for me, it's in the spare bedroom, right? But it's still my company headquarters where we do all the operations, right? Yeah. It's like, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your business? And what I found is like, I've taught a lot of e-commerce brand owners to do this and they have phenomenal results because, you know, I have one uh, customer in particular um, that's coming to mind. Cena Wheeler, who owns Cena Sea, which they sell their uh, fishermen, uh, you know, a family of, of, of fishermen in Alaska, and they have like the best salmon that I think that that money can buy, and they ship it everywhere. And uh, it's cool because they, you know, one email that Cena did, it was like you know a fishing trip where they took the, their son out, and you know the father was teaching the son, and like I was like, this is so cool because you don't get this when you go to the supermarket. You don't get this when, like no brands do this. They just send out their emails to like here's another coupon, here's another coupon. Like that's fine, but like take me behind the scenes. Like what happened in the business? What's going on on the factory floor? Like what are you guys cooking up? What's coming next? Tease a new product. Like hey, we've been working on this product for six months, and you know we just came up with this breakthrough, or like you know depending on what it is. Like there's so many different ways that you can just bring people into the world of the company because people find that interesting. And even if they don't do the same thing, even if they don't, like I have another client who sells tea. Uh, her name is Sarah and she owns Vintage Fork. She's up in Canada and a really awesome tea brand. And like, I don't make tea, right? Like I don't, I don't sell tea. I don't have my own tea store, but I like reading about the things that she's doing because it's interesting because it's just it's like an interesting thing that another human is doing. So people are afraid to do that. They're afraid to tell people about the things that are going on in their business, but that's the best thing you could do. So if you start doing that once a week, you're going to get more retention. You're going to get more repeat sales. It's another excuse to email and include links to buy things. So I think it's just that compounding effect. It really does a good job uh, for sales and everything else. Yeah, look, absolutely brilliant. So you know, you've delivered on the promise, which was, you know, give value that you don't often hear, right? And that's what you've done in spades today. So um, the other thing is Chris has got a couple of books and, and one in particular, well, you can get access to both of them if you go to the emailcopywriter.com, but Make It Rain is his latest book. It's fantastic, highly recommend. So we'll put that and all the other links that Chris has kindly given today in the show notes. But Chris, absolute blast having you on today and thanks for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. What a great interview with Chris. And what I loved is at the end, he said, look, I spoke about things that I haven't spoken about on podcasts before. And that's where I want to bring you, right? Is not the boring 101 components of email. You know, the things that he spoke about is the OPP strategy, you know, the frequency and also he talked about that metric, which is, you know, earnings per subscriber. There was a lot of things in there that I'd never heard of, and I hope you haven't. And what I'd love you to do is mention Chris in your social media. So talk about something that you've learned today and what action you've taken, and then give him a shout out, tag him on social media. And uh, Facebook is his preferred one. So if you want to do that on Facebook, he would love you for that. Uh, on the show notes, so as I said, you know, you've probably taken great notes here. We'll have all the links in a summary, and also you can get the full transcription if you go to paulhigginsmentoring.com. And also, you know, why don't you share it with some of your friends, you know, whether it's one, 10, 100, you know, share it with your peers, your friends, because they could get value because, yes, it is so important to have your own list. And Chris gives some brilliant ways. And also there's a link to his 
course as well that you can go and have a look at. And that I'm just looking down at my notes to make sure I get that right, but that's Email Copy Academy, right? So uh, I know I'm going to to buy it, so I highly recommend you do as well. Check out some of our solo shows as well where I talk about specific topics for you scaling your business. And please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.